We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Have the base of your team built? How do you build out the rest of your roster in a dynasty startup? We're talking all that and more on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We are two of the owners at Rotoviz. We have covered a lot of dynasty topics this week. We're just going to finish the week off with another episode focused here on dynasty, in specific, the startup that Curtis and I are in. We've already talked about this team on the show one time, how we approached the first couple rounds of the draft. We will recap that. Then we'll talk about what you can do as you start to approach the middle rounds of a dynasty startup and how you can think about building out your roster once you have the main pieces in place. Curtis, how are you doing, sir? Doing great, man. It's been a great week of uh, discussion. Been a great week of fantasy activity. Uh I just feel like I'm firing on all cylinders. Everything seems clear. Every deal seems clear. Uh, it's like I'm staring at the wall in, I don't know. I would say beautiful mind, but it's probably more like the hangover. <laughs> it's yep. probably more like Zach Galifianakis uh, staring at all the numbers falling uh, as he's counting cards. Uh, I, I'm, that's probably much closer to my level of intelligence than, than um, you know, the, sub, the subject matter of a beautiful mind. But yeah, it's, it's a great, great time of the spring, man. We've even got the NFL draft just right around the corner. Multiple startups going, multiple rookie drafts going. I mean, this is, I mean, this is what it's all about, man. This is what fantasy is all about this time of year. All right. So I am going to recap um, the team that we have thus far. Uh, then I will ask Curtis. Actually, you know what? I take that back, Curtis. I want to start off, and I probably should have done this, with the question that I said I was going to ask you about when we left off oh, last yeah. episode. So I'm actually going to remind everybody, we were talking about this rookie draft that Curtis was in with a number of big names in the industry. He had finagled his way into, I have to ask again, just to make sure it was three first round picks, correct? Yeah. Brees Hall, Isaiah Spiller, David Bell, uh, in a first round of a league where I'm going for a three peat title 
this season, and it would be my fourth title in the seven years of the league. Okay, right. So a natural question that I think people would have is, how did you manage to get that many first round picks? Do you get there? And I'm sure there's multiple avenues, but people might be wondering, do you piece together trades where you're conglomerating a couple of picks that you have and using those to move up into one pick? Are you putting together packages with veterans for these picks? Is there something else? How does a team that's having so much success manage to then make these moves still stay competitive and get three first round picks? Yeah, we talked about it a little bit in in the previous uh, episode this week where we focus on this draft, um, how I got into the 101, um, trading away Terry McLaurin and other players in a package, uh, just thinking that, you know, Terry's really should be going into his prime and his quarterback, quote unquote, upgrade is Carson Wentz. Yep. Um, You know, I just don't see him taking that that next step. And he's already really at the age where I start to think about uh, short of the players that, that reach, you know, Stefan Diggs level peak Antonio Brown level. I mean, short of these super special, like every couple years types of players, you're looking to move wide receivers. And when they get to, to that age, because they're going to be replaced by the next and best. Um, and so, you know, McLaurin was a, you got to trade good players to get a good draft picks, man. Yep. Um, so, so that's how that one occurred. And then actually to get into that one Oh nine and two Oh nine, you know, I, I mentioned that, uh, obviously, you know, defending a title here. So my, my kind of my native picks there were the one twelve and the two twelve in the first two rounds. But I got into the one Oh nine and the two Oh nine, um, in discussions, just talking with another manager that had a lot of rookie picks this year, probably more than, you know, he wanted to spend just on rookies and what's perceived mm-hmm. as a, a weak class. And I, so, you know, trying to figure out what this other manager's goals were. And he wanted to convert some of those picks into um, younger veterans so that he wasn't all in on, on a draft class that many think is not exciting. And so I just asked him, you know, which young wide receivers on my team that he liked. And uh, he mentioned Darnell Mooney. So I ended up getting the 109 and 209 um, for Mooney which I think is probably a little bit above market value, uh, like in a typical year. But then when you think about the players that I actually drafted there, it kind of, it kind of comes out pretty fair because neither of the players that I ended up drafting those spots are surefire hits. And, and, and Mooney at least looks like a, a bona fide wide receiver too, and he's young. My reasons for feeling okay trading Mooney, I don't think he's an actual long-term top team option. I think the Bears will add more talent there. Um, the juror, even though I like Justin Fields, uh, looked very shaky as a rookie and it certainly, uh, you certainly could be out of a job before the end of the season. If things don't go better, uh, post regime change, uh, in Chicago, I ended up selecting Isaiah Spiller and Alec Pierce, um, with those picks. So what I gave Dave in those two trades to gain the extra draft capital in rounds one and two, I gave Terry McLaurin, Justin Fields, and Darnell Mooney. And I, I received effectively Brees Hall, Isaiah Spiller, and Alec Pierce. So, I mean, grade that. I mean, I think it comes up much better on your side. To be honest, when I think about... Um, you know, what the future could look like even as soon as year two from now and the trajectory of those players. 
Um, but I, I think the larger takeaway here, which is what I was trying to get to when I asked the question was, and you said it, it takes good players to be able to make these trades, right? Like you're, you're not getting to where you're getting in terms of being able to stockpile these first round picks by making these like low level moves, right? Like you're actually kind of sticking your neck out there, moving players that other people have an interest in, which is why you're able to get these high value assets for them. And you're kind of doing it in a way like you've talked about following the conviction that you have on certain players. And that I grade this out nicely because I think it's setting your team up for so much more future success than it would currently have. And people have a propensity to want to hold on to what they have and value that more than what could be. Yeah. And I mean, that's actually a nice segue. We'll we'll spend maybe another two or three minutes on this topic before we get into talking about our startup. Cause I, I mean, it all, it all kind of melds together anyway, you know, Mooney, you could also argue that maybe I'm just taking my profits here and I drafted him as a fourth round rookie pick. Mm -hmm. Um, and now to, to trade him for a, a late first and a late second, you know, a couple of seasons later, and that feels like a smash. And then when you're looking at your roster, just zooming out in the off season, as I always talk about in December and January on the site, you know, what, what are your goals? Um, and what is the upside? Like what are the hits look like for every player and roster moving forward and all of the potential rookies that you might draft? Like, I just, I, I can't see in my mind's eye. I could not see a spot where Darnell Mooney and or Terry McLaurin we're entering the dynasty wide receiver one picture. Um, McLaurin, because he had the opportunity to get there, he may have even, you know, brushed with wide receiver 12 at some point, but now age will prevent him from getting there. And then for Mooney, he's going to battle the same things that other low draft capital wide receivers who ended up being hits um, experience. Like the poster children, you know, for this obviously are like Doug Baldwin. Uh, being highly productive, um, tied to a better quarterback even than Mooney, and never kind of quite got there, even after having you know very similar seasons production-wise, he would basically have to be an all-time outlier like Antonio Brown as a day three pick. I mean, I'm just betting against that on Darnell Mooney. I mean, he's a nice player, but I don't think he's Antonio Brown, and I wouldn't think that any round five or late round four or later receiver in the future is going to be the next Antonio Brown. Those are, you know, once in it, every very long while type outcomes uh, for, for prospects. So that, I think that that is also very key. Like you didn't notice me trading Devonte Adams or Jalen Waddle um, or Michael Thomas, you know, the more elite names that have the draft capital tied to them and potentially still a nice quarterback situation um, to boast of those were not the ones that I wanted to move. I wanted to move those players that I didn't think could accrue any more value, uh, and trade those players for the rookie picks. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. All right, then why don't we move along? And Curtis, I think that for today's FFPC stat attack, we can just share the type of team that one can put together in the first six or so rounds. So why don't you drop the sound effect for me? Right. So this might be kind of cheating here, but you know what? We're going to go ahead and do it. Our FFPC stat attack for the day is that we have started off a Rotoviz Triflex uh, draft here with our quarterbacks being Ryan Tannehill, 
Deshaun Watson, wide receivers, CD Lamb, Devontae Adams, and Tyreek Hill, <laughs> and our tight end being Travis Kelsey. If that doesn't fire you up to go up and get in a startup, make some moves and build out an anchor to your team that you like, then I don't know what does. Oh man. I'm just, my heart is smiling, Dave. (laughs) Thinking about this squad, man, we've made a couple key moves um, to put ourselves in this position as the draft develops. So, you know, uh, it started with Deshaun and CD at the 112 and the 201, you know, um, in these Rotoflex, uh, Rotovis Triflex leagues, um, the one thing that I could not get the FFPC to bend on, the one signature thing that they wanted to keep, I'm going to keep working on them. We'll see. Maybe there'll be another iteration in a year or two. Uh, there's already hundreds of these leagues in existence. So have, have a little leverage at this point. Couldn't get them to agree to a third round reversal. Mm-hmm. Um and so Dave and I were playing with a deck stacked against us, drawing the 112 in a dynasty startup. You know, drawing the 112 and redraft, you know, who cares? Yep. Um, you can still build interesting teams, and we've proven that over and over. Drawing the 112 in a dynasty startup where there's not a third round reversal, you objectively um, cannot, if, if everyone sticks to community um, ADP, you will have a less valuable team. Um, than the teams that draft before you. So that's okay. We like a challenge. Um, so we took the risk with Deshaun Watson, thinking that he could become a top five startup pick in 2023. CeeDee Lamb um, taking a step forward. And then we made some trades as the draft went on to help this team make uh, take shape. So we actually, right after Tyreek Hill was selected in the late third round, I believe it was the 310 or 311 that he comes off the, the board. And Dave and I know we're going to be selecting at the 312 and the 401. We're hoping that Tyreek makes it there. We were talking about Devontae Adams, talking about Tyreek Hill, um, and some other players that we obviously ended up passing on. But we were saying, you know, wouldn't it be so nice to have all of those players? And Tyreek almost made it. So then we're kind of just thinking, you know, we've got to have him on this squad. So we approached the, the manager that had just selected Tyreek, and we started that discussion. And so we, we sent our startup 607 and our 2023 first for Tyreek Hill and a 2023 third round rookie pick. So let's break apart the elements of this deal by sending our 23 first and acquiring Tyreek Hill in this draft. We are kind of committing to, I mean, we're, we're committing to a competing in year one. Yes. You know, Deshaun and CD, that could still be a punt or, you know, productive struggle type build um, to borrow Ryan McDowell, dynasty godfather's term, friend of the pod. You can go that way because, you know, you can play this narrative while Deshaun might get suspended this season and CD's still so young, you know, just 23 years old. You don't need those players to hit this year. You could still actually effectively do a punt from the 112 with those players. We're giving next year's first. We are now committing to competing because we do not want that first to have a lot of value. Um, next season and, and adding Tyreek there uh, was just so exciting to CD. And then we can immediately lean into that win now. Um, but also, you know, these are not players. This is not 33 year old, 34 year old Adam, you know, Thielen or Manny Sanders or whatever. I mean, these are not over the hill receivers. They're just, you know, Perry prime receivers. We take Devonte Adams and we take Travis Kelsey 
Um, so right there, by the time we get to the 401, we've got those five players in hand. Dave, kind of break down the thought process from your perspective, because we haven't done a startup together yet. And I don't, I didn't really know what your preferred style was, but maybe any internal dialogue that you had as these negotiations were going on around the merits of competing early um, versus staying a little bit more balanced and why you felt comfortable pulling the trigger for Tyreek here. Well, I think that um, in a league like this, especially with us coming out of that 12 spot, being able to make moves, it seemed very attractive to me to be able to put together that win now type of team. We were able to get the value that we needed to do it. So it felt like approach that we could work. But on top of that, Curtis, I think that with it being a triflex league um, and the way that that roster can be constructed, we definitely can put together a wide receiver core that though it doesn't have as much youth as uh, you know, perhaps some teams would like to see. I think it's enough youth that can give us a little bit of an anchor for a window. Then I also felt confident in our ability to recognize um, other ways as we continue past our success in you know years one through three to make moves to continue to build upon you know what we had going, make some moves, and then inject some youth in the future. Um, and then as I, I also think that another key piece here was. By the time we could get started um, building out this team, the there wasn't really many running backs that I felt like I'd want to put on this team and build around. So I think it kind of naturally made sense. You know, maybe it would have been a little bit different had we been in a spot where we could have had JT. We thought that maybe we'd be able to work in Brees Hall or some configuration like that. Um, things didn't really play out that way. Uh, but I was perfectly comfortable with this group of guys. And I think that one of the things we're going to talk about is maybe how we can inject some youth um, to give us some flexibility as this team progresses. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. One thing I like to do in the startup uh, is just see, you know, when you make a trade like this, what the assets ended up being. Um, so, you know, we gave up the 607 and then a 2023, what we hope will be a very late first. The 607, Dave, ended up being Mike Evans. Um, and so, you know, solid player um, tied to a quarterback that's on a year to year retirement um, trajectory. Um, the team sticks with Chris Godwin in town there. Um, and I think Mike Evans is more the type of player that will have a 
I think when his body breaks, his body will break. You know, it's kind of what we've seen with Julio. You know, it's just all of a sudden he's just a zero. He went from being awesome to just can't really stomach having him on your roster. I I don't think that, Ty, I mean, Tyreek will become, be able to become Julian Edelman once he gets past 30. I mean, he's just going to go into the slot and, uh, and be a yak monster, especially in this McDaniel um, offense. So I think they're going to have very different end of career trajectories. And um, I think when, when you talk about the relative values of those players, that late future first being the only thing separating Hill from Evans, uh, it, it feels like a bargain in retrospect. So I'm super pumped about that. I agree with all your points. And then, you know, just even the $250 buy-in, you know, on the FFPC, you can play up to $5,000 in annual buy-in um, for any league, but that $250 buy-in is nice. It's one where, you know, potentially if you're considering playing with a partner it, it approaches what a typical dynasty entry fee would be for somebody who's not used to playing a higher entry fee levels so and getting in there for 125 bucks a piece. Yep. And then that potential year one return building a squad like this uh, could be very nice. And then you're playing with house money as you kind of, you know, rebuild your team into phase two. So the second trade we made, Dave, knowing that we'd given up the six Oh seven, we wanted to, uh, replenish. And this is something that I do in almost every dynasty startup that I, that I participate in. You can trade away, but you can also replenish. And so we, we got out of that 607. I mean, that Mike Evans pick, you know, that's a solid pick. I mean, you know, I, I was kind of railing on Evans, but you know, other players that went in round six, Devontae Smith, Travis Etienne, Darren Waller, Derek Henry. These are players that are sliding on the board. These are all the types of players that you would still like to have in a dynasty startup, you just, you know, they're not worth what they were last year when they were going in rounds one, two, and three. So we trade the five twelve and the six Oh one. So our next turn as it were, plus a 20th round pick and a future second. So now we've traded away our first and second for next year, but we get the six Oh seven back actually from the manager, uh, that we, uh, traded it, uh, that we traded it to. Uh, no, actually it's from a new manager. That pick, trick, uh, that pick traded hands again right. after we traded it. Right. Sorry. So we traded away the 607. That manager then flipped it for a future first. Then the new manager that had the 607 is who we hooked up on this deal with. And so we got the 607, the 707, and the 806. Money rounds for a startup. Tons of value. Flush, packed with value in this range. Um, so, we, so we basically, we moved down seven spots from 512 to 607. Moved down 16 spots from 601 to 707, but then we move up 12 rounds from uh, round 20 to, to round eight, and then also surrender the third round pick. So uh, replenishing um, at the cost of trading down from the second to the third next year, I thought made a lot of sense. And so that 607, um, that 607 pick, Dave, uh, I was actually... Did we trade that away? I'm looking at this board and figuring out, trying to figure out what happened here. Uh, because six, we did not make, we I, did not make a selection at six Oh seven. All right. It was, it was simpler than we were making it. Um, the way that you, the way that these are posted in the show sheet, we just posted them out of chronological order. Okay. So, we, so we actually, which, uh, you know, it's not that we forgot about a deal we made. It's that we made that deal early on before the Tyreek deal is when we actually made the deal to acquire that 607 pick, which we then traded away 
in the this Tyreek deal. So it's not like a mystery that's hanging out there somewhere. And, and we actually have ghost Mike Evans on our roster. Um, we actually just, uh, we, we made the trade to get the extra draft capital in the middle single digit rounds. And then we flipped some of that into our deal uh, for Tyreek, which um, obviously is, is easy to see here. And then, so we, we spent much of this evening, Dave, um, you know, really deep in negotiation with the manager who selected Jonathan Taylor. Um, and that manager, this was a big decision point for us because we had deals that were probably from a value perspective acceptable. And we ultimately, ultimately decided not to do it, yep. but we, we would have effectively been sending, you know, CD lamb, you know, one offer we had was send CD lamb and Travis Kelsey for, for Jonathan Taylor. We thought that was too rich. And um, we would have been backtracking for, you know, uh, on the basis for this, this draft, um, you know, winning now, giving up two such high value pieces for what ultimately ended up, you know, representing a four pick move up. You know, we could have traded up for that Jonathan Taylor pick after the first seven, you know, quarterbacks and Jamar Chase went off the board and we opted not to at that time. Why would we give up Travis Kelsey, who we selected at the 401, just to make that move? Our team's materially worse. Yep. Um, so we, that didn't work out. But then, you know, the, uh, you know it, was, it was a good, you know, good faith negotiation. We ended up in a spot where we just couldn't come to an agreement. But we had the option, Dave, of sending CD Lamb, Startup 712, and Startup 806 for Jonathan Taylor and a, you know, a 25th round pick and a 24th round pick. And ultimately what we've, what we decided was that the 707, 712, 801, 806, four picks in an 11 pick span, we're just looking at the board and what's available. And it was just, it was just too much um, to move on from, to, to go get Jonathan Taylor. So, you know, we've already talked about having Deshaun Watson, getting Ryan Tannehill as our QB two in the seventh round, um, multiple rounds later. I mean, as, Actually, the, he's RQB2. He's the QB23 in this draft, which I feel like is pretty good value. But then looking at the other positions, what's going to be available to us in a couple picks at the 7-8 turn? You know, Marquise Brown um, is still here, Dave, and you know he's calling my name. Um, we've, got, <laughs> we've got Michael Thomas, who I think is going to bounce back in a big way with Jameis Winston. Uh, he would be available to us. Well, we could go for another tight end in this range. We could go after players like, um, you know, Allen Robinson, Aaron Jones, David Montgomery, um, Leonard Fournette for that top five, you know, 2022 finish. There's just a lot of, I mean, Ezekiel Elliott just went a couple of picks ago to give you the idea of like how far down some of these veterans are, dro- are dropping in this format. Kareem Hunt's available here. Michael Carter's available here there's just a lot of value in a lot of different directions we could go. Juju. I know you're a big former Juju fan. Not sure where you stand today. Cortland Sutton in that pairing with Russell Wilson. Um, the top tight ends on the board are Dallas Goddard and Noah Fant and Mike Gesicki by ADP getting that future heir to Travis Kelsey. So, you know, basically being able to pull the, the trigger on four of those players instead of just two of those players is really what tipped the scales when we're thinking about trying to win the league in 2022. So let me ask you, Dave, yep. um, we took Tannehill at 707. So at the 712, 801, knowing where our roster stands now, any of those players stand out? Is there even a thought maybe even trading back since there is so much value available here? 
I mean, what what are your thoughts? Let's try to get some alignment while we're recording here. Yeah, I actually would be here open to trading one of those one of those picks back. And I actually um, am kind of inclined to go after one of those wide receivers in that grouping of those players that you mentioned. But I think what we can even evaluate is how far what we would need to do here. What I would do is I would look at how many of them we actually both are interested in, then kind of map out when we think that all of those players that we've both agreed on are going to be gone and see if we, you know, what we need to do with the picks that we have in this time frame to ensure that we have them. If we have an ability to maybe even maneuver both of those picks, but I'm thinking it's probably going to be move one, use the other one on a wide receiver. Okay. Um, now our next pick after this turn is eight Oh six. I think a lot of these players could potentially be, gone by this. So, I mean, if we were going to trade back, I think we're trading back maybe a half round. We probably want to move the 801 for the 805 or 807 so we can still make back-to-back picks there again. Yep. So I think we're probably only looking at those two potential uh, managers as as, uh, trade partners. So I'll get to work on that after we're done recording, but let's let's pretend that they're not interested in our move. They see all the value that's here and they say no reason that they need to move up they're just as happy with many of these players as we are, which oftentimes can be the case. So just running that down again at wide receiver, that seems to be where you are really honing in and getting excited. I think my top available would be Hollywood Brown. Um, but some of those other names are DeAndre Hopkins, Allen Robinson, Michael Thomas, Tyler Lockett, Juju Smith-Schuster, Rashad Bateman. Um, to give you an idea of the rookies that are available, rookies got pushed way up the board. They did. But yeah. I think it's important. It's important to understand the context uh, of the draft. I think if you're listening in, the top available, uh, two uh, actually the top, let's say top three receivers from our road of his rookie rankings available in this range are David Bell, George Pickens, and Jahan Dotson, who I think while they are nice prospects would definitely figure in, you know, behind a lot of the names that we're calling off right now. Yep. I I think that the two names I'm actually most interested in would be Hollywood and Juju. These other wide receivers to me um, are kind of at the points in their career, especially like Hopkins where I, I don't see, you know, the potential for anything but a significant slide in value. Um, I'd rather get a little bit younger in the position, given the core of guys that we already have. Um, and I know that I'm pretty sure you're in the spot with me on Hollywood too, which I'm very open to, because I don't think that we even, I think at this point I would be more okay with losing Juju than I would with Hollywood, which feels weird to say, but that's where we are. Oh yeah. That that's without a doubt. Um, without a doubt. So we we're aligned. I mean, Hollywood's going to be our pick at seven twelve. Hopefully we'll even make that, you know, later tonight. And luckily this episode will air. Uh, long after those picks are made, nobody can be eavesdropping in on on the recording. You know, we still don't have a running back on the squad after making that critical decision not to trade for Jonathan Taylor. Yep. So I think you know if we were going to select a running back at eight hundred one, let's talk about a couple of these prospects as we kind of bring the episode to a close here. Yep. Um, I want to get a sense for what your comfort level is. If we want to go for maybe players who haven't achieved their maximum value yet. Um, the players available right here are Michael Carter and AJ Dillon, probably 
Um, you know, I'm not sure what you think of Clyde Edwards Elaire now that Casey has brought in Ronald Jones. Um, and and I gotta correct myself, actually looking at the veterans available, I mean, just to tell you how far you know these guys have fallen. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott actually still is available <laughs> at the end of the seventh round. It's crazy. So we've got plenty of like right guys that are gonna have big roles in 2022 to to choose from. So many of them that maybe one would still be there at 806, I think is maybe the point here. Right. Um, but we've got Ezekiel Elliott, Aaron Jones, David Montgomery, who still has a little bit more youth to him. Aaron Jones um, getting Aaron Rodgers there and David or and Devontae Adams leaving is kind of interesting. You know, could he have a bigger receiving role moving forward as the offense kind of changes up a little bit? I think I'm, I'm kind of interested in that angle there. And then, like I said, you know, he's been gross for so long in this format and people staying away from him. But now that he's tied to Tampa in this three year, $21 million deal and Tom Brady's back, Leonard Fournette is kind of appealing to me in this build where we're making a commitment to trying to win it all in year one. Cause I think of the players that are, are listed here, he's the only one that, that I think has a really great shot at a top five overall finish. I think Aaron Jones, and David Montgomery certainly could be lower end RB1s. But with Ronald Jones totally gone, I mean, Fournette could have a massive backfield share in 2022. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that with the way that we are building this team, there is a, it does make a lot of sense to go for those backs that we think are going to be hits in the next year or two, especially when you look at this list of players, it's not like there's many guys that you could expect to hold their value for a long time. Uh, if I'm looking for the name of a player that I do think could increase their value, that's probably Michael Carter. But then we're yeah. looking at a running back who's in a situation where it's probably going to be hard for him to maintain much value. Other guys that could potentially raise their value that are available is somebody like Trey Sermon. Um, so am I hedging, you know, on trying to get some youth and some future potential into this team with players like Michael Carter and Trey Sermon? Probably not. Of the names that are veterans, I think that David Montgomery might be something that would attract me if we were trying to get a mixture between, you know, some win now uh, potential and also having maybe another two or three seasons of value. But if you're looking for the home run right now, I think it probably is a guy like Fournette. Now, the interesting thing is, and we actually talked about this, is it's easy to lose sight of some of these veterans with how far down they are the board uh, in some leagues right now, because there just haven't been many drafts ongoing. Uh, so a little bit of a pro tip would be to always scroll down and make sure you see what is there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause I, there's actually James Connor pretty far down too, but I think the yeah. other key takeaway here of why we've been able to get away with staying so far away from running back where I know earlier in the week, I mentioned in some of these formats, you really can't do it. It's just because in this startup, there's veterans like James Connor falling so far down, um, that you're still able to piece together that running back core. Yeah. And Connor is the, uh, to recycle a, a very old, uh, but oft used root of his term. Connor's probably the arbitrage Leonard Fournette. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. I mean, uh, re upping in, in the same situation. Um, and also seeing a highly, you know, involved teammate, you know, leaving with Chase Edmonds, uh, being jettisoned from town. So, but, but I think Connor, uh, for multiple reasons is, I mean, I actually think he could end up being there in the 10th, in the 10th and 11th round yes. when we have our next batch of picks. And so, 
yeah, I think, I think we are finding alignment. If we're not able to move out here, you know, really like the idea of Hollywood with that next pick and then, you know, kind of going for that maximum um, kick at the 801 and 806 um, based off of whatever else is still available. I'm at wide receiver. The final question that I will ask you is, do we have, do we feel nervous about Hollywood making it three more picks to us? Um, Do we feel like we ought to move up a couple picks here? Um, Unfortunately, unfortunately the gentleman on the clock is uh, the person that we had two hours of failed negotiations for Jonathan Taylor with. So he might, he might be totally done with us. Um, but do we feel like we need to move up for Hollywood or do we feel like he's far enough down the queue that he's going to survive? Uh, I think that we probably value Hollywood a little bit more than most people do. Uh, perhaps if some of the people picking between now and when we are up, listen to the show, um, they might be more inclined, but I actually think we might be able to get away with staying pat. Okay, the the drafter on the clock has no wide receivers yet. Um, the next drafter <laughs> does. Here's here's the, here's the guy I'm worried about. Yep, this guy I play in other dynasty leagues with, and I play in a lot of the main event leagues with this guy. It's Jag Merchant. Jag Merchant. He this is this is a classic. Yeah, this is a classic like stamp of approval dynasty startup here. Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, DeAndre Swift, DJ Moore, AJ Brown. And it's a solid team. Yeah. I like that team. Those are names we're we're comfortable with here. At Rotoviz. This could be a guy who would be in on Hollywood. Um, so I am a little worried about him. And then Dynasty Depot. I think this is a a, a dynasty podcast. I'm gonna have to check them out. I, I recognize the logo. I'm not sure if I know who these guys are drafting Um, no running backs for that squad. I kind of think that they, you know, they pick on either side of us. And so they're going to see us with the seven, 12, eight, Oh one. Will they be worried that we would double tap running back knowing that we also do not have running back. I think we can depend on dynasty depot to take a running back here. Um, So Jag merchant and uh, unfortunately, Jag Merchant and um, Mean But Funny, um, neither one of them, uh, I think, can we rule out that they would take Hollywood. So I, I'm with you. Maybe we're a little higher than consensus on him. Um, I, I can live with waking up in the morning to being on the clock and finding out if we're going to be able to make that selection. But <laughs> okay, um, man, yeah, that, that would be a really exciting way to, uh, to end the seventh round, Dave. Oh, for sure. All right. So we appreciate everybody for uh, listening in with us uh, as we make these decisions for joining us in all of our dynasty content this week. Uh, You know, it's the time of the year for it. We are looking forward to a variety of other topics that will be on their way. I have some things in the works Uh, in particular, uh, in particular, the range of outcomes projections that are always really fun to look at that we're going to be getting into maybe in the next month or two. But Curtis, it is a Friday. Why don't you send us out with some words of wisdom? This is cool, man. Um, you know, I've talked in the past about the importance of, um, you know, not only just my mindset and approach to maintaining that mindset for myself and those around me, but also instilling that in my kids. You know, I've talked about, you know, kind of making those bracelets for uh, my oldest son, work hard, stay positive. And uh, my wife brought this into me 
um, because they had one of those, those uh, free periods inside recess. And I guess the teacher gave them all this, what success means to me trophy. Um, and they had to fill in, you know, just different words uh, for what success means to me. And, and, and my oldest writes in effort, work hard, stay positive, do my best work um, and get an A plus, you know, what's I mean? <laughs> so he's sucking up to the teacher there um, a little bit, but it's just, you know, I think those words coming from him when he knows that I'm not watching, I'm not looking over his shoulder. It's just an inside recess, like coloring page at school. You know, mindset is something that you can build through mental reps. And, you know, we spend time talking about this, like envisioning what success looks like. You know, we had his soccer game, you know, two away soccer games this last weekend. What does it look like for the team to be successful today? What does it look like for you to be successful today? All right. You're going to be, be playing striker today. All right. Well, what do you think that you're going to need to do uh, in order for the, for the team to win? Well, I'm probably going to need to score a couple goals because we're struggling to take shots. So I need to be really decisive. All right. Well, he goes out and scores two goals and we win the game. And so like just having that, like finding that time to think about even what working hard or staying positive should look like in a given situation. Um, it just makes things seem less stressful uh, because you've kind of put yourself in the situation already. You've made the decision before the decision opportunity has even presented itself. So, um, you know, ways that you can apply it, you know, find a minute to meditate. If you got a big day coming up, you know, just take 30 seconds, man. Like, why are you even nervous about today? Did you not prepare? Is there any more preparation you need to do? Um, or have you actually already done all the work and you're just not comfortable? Like, you know, practice saying what you need to say in the mirror. Um, give yourself a mental pep talk, you know, put, put a visual cue on the mirror in your bathroom. Um, growing up watching the Rocky movies, man, you know, like Rocky four, you know, Rocky's training, in Russia, getting ready to fight Drago. Like he's got a picture of Drago taped to the mirror. Like that's my opponent. Like that's what I'm doing all this for. Like there's just any number of creative ways, but just put your mindset cue in a place um, where you have to look at it and you can't get away from it. Where Kellen and I choose to do that is on our wrist. You might want to do it somewhere else. I know people even tattoo, um, you know, their personal mantras on themselves. There's any number of ways you can do this day, but uh, that's my big encouragement, man. Like double down on your personal life strategy this weekend and figure out how to, to manifest the reality that you want next week. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs>